0: Welcome back to the Don't Wait for Your Wake Up Call podcast. This episode is the start of four episodes around digestion. I'm Melissa Dealey, your host, and I'm excited to dive into this. And you might be like, wow, digestion, that's kind of boring. I don't want to listen. But here's the thing. You've heard the saying before that we are what we eat. But my take on that is actually that we are what we absorb. And we eat food for energy, but if we can't absorb it, we are going to be lacking energy. And so it's really important to understand how our digestive system works and how to optimize it. And that's what I'm going to be diving into today. Now, we also get energy from sleep, and I have done episodes on sleep. So if you haven't listened to those and you're one of the millions of people out there that are struggling with fatigue and lack of energy... You might also want to tune into episodes five through eight to check those out. So, as I said, we are what we absorb. Our entire digestive system is designed to break down our food and get that food to the cells so that we have the energy to do what we want to do in any given day. And yet, so many people are struggling with digestive issues. In fact, I would say over 80% of my clients are struggling with digestive issues, whether it's gas and bloating, or pain and cramping after eating, or maybe it's constipation or diarrhea. And they're narrowing down the foods that they can eat, trying to alleviate these symptoms. And that's not fun either because we all want to be able to enjoy food and when we can eat less and less food it makes it hard to live a full life and have a social life etc etc and narrowing down the foods can help alleviate the symptoms but it's not getting to the root cause of what's going on and so That's what I help people do. So this episode is going to be around how to optimize our digestive system. Next week, I have a guest coming on. And the week after that, I'm going to talk more about what um, can go wrong with our digestive system and some of the common issues that people struggle with. So let's just talk about the fact that a healthy digestive system uses 30% of your energy every time you eat our digestive system trumps other systems in the body. And every time we put food in our mouth, we turn it on and it uses 30% of your energy. And that's if it's a healthy digestive system. If it's a digestive system that's getting bogged down, then it can be using more energy. And That might be interesting for you to think about as well, because, you know, in our time of lockdown right now, working from home, the refrigerator just over here, there's a lot more grazing that might be happening that wasn't happening in the past. And if every time you're putting food in your mouth, you're actually causing your body to use energy, are you putting in food that is going to still give you energy or is the food that you're getting you're putting in kind of being wiped out by the that 30 percent of your energy that's being used to digest it so that's something interesting to think about and choosing foods that are nutrient dense and high energy are going to serve you far better than those quick fix energy things that we tend to go for as snacks like that you know chocolate bar or sugary muffin or um you know, any kind of candy that you might just be popping into your mouth out of habit and not even thinking, right? So that's why I like to bring you this information to kind of give you that little aha to go, hmm, I might take that candy jar off my desk or think about healthier snacks that I'm going to have in the middle of my afternoon so I can make sure I'm getting energy from them because it's the middle of the afternoon where I feel like my energy is fading. So The other thing that is really important to understand around your digestive system is that it is only ever turned on when we are in our rest and digest state, our parasympathetic nervous system. However, many of us are living in a state of chronic stress with our sympathetic nervous system switched on. If you've listened to my podcast episodes 17 to 20 in regards to stress, you will have learned a lot about our parasympathetic and our sympathetic nervous system, but I'm going to repeat it here because there may be new listeners, but also sometimes it takes hearing things more than once for it to actually sink in. So what's going on in our autonomic nervous system, which is Um, guiding us between our sympathetic and our parasympathetic systems is that our brain is charged with keeping us safe. And if we go back to our hunter-gatherer days where we had to hunt for our food, our brain was on alert for danger. To this day, even though we don't have to hunt for our food, our brain is still on alert for danger. It wants to keep us safe. Now, if we were out hunting and there was a lion nearby that was actually hunting us, our brain would trigger within us, the sympathetic nervous system would switch on and our blood would start pumping faster. Our pupils would dilate. Our senses would become stronger. Cortisol would be being produced, adrenaline being produced so that we can flee and get to safety. And in order for the body to do all of that, it shuts down other systems. So it's shutting down our digestive system because we don't care about the sandwich or whatever we might've eaten earlier in that moment of trying to get to safety from the lion. And it's shutting down procreation as well, among other systems. So when our digestive system is shut down, hydrochloric acid is not being produced in the stomach in order to break down our food, salivary enzymes are not functioning either. And so our, our body can't break down the food that we're putting in. And the problem today in our modern world is, is that we are living in this go, 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 do, do, do society with deadlines and just trying to get it all done. And we very often are stuck in this chronic straight state of stress, which means our digestive system is not even turned on. And if we're sitting down to eat in a stressed out state, you could be eating the healthiest meal on the planet and your body isn't going to be able to break it down properly, which means you are not getting the benefit of all the nutrition in that meal, that super healthy meal, getting broken down and into your bloodstream and into your cells. And instead what happens is it's being Not broken down properly could end up resulting in constipation, could end up as diarrhea, or it could even be stored in fat closets in the body because the body just can't cope with this right now because it's dealing with this stress state and it can't deal with digestion. So, what does that mean? What that means is that every time you sit down to eat, you need to do a check in with yourself and say, hey, am I stressed out right now? And if you are, then we need to do a little trick in order to turn off our sympathetic nervous system and turn on our parasympathetic rest and digest system. So we're turning on digestion before we start eating, because when we turn on digestion before we start eating, that triggers the brain to then start producing salivary enzymes stomach acid, hydrochloric acid, and all of the other enzymes needed throughout our digestive system so that our body can break down the good food that we're about to put in. So my trick for that is the same trick I've taught before in several other episodes, but it's called five, five, seven breathing. And what that means is you're gonna inhale for a count of five, hold your breath for a count of five, and then exhale for a count of 7 and do 10 cycles of that and what happens is your brain goes huh i thought i was stressed out but i'm breathing like a safe person i must be safe and we'll drop out of that chronic stress state and move into our rest and digest state and digestion can be turned on and this is this happens because if you were running away from a lion, there is no way that your exhale would be longer than your inhale. You would be panting and pumping your arms and running as fast as you can. So your brain recognizes with that longer exhale at a seven count, that's what triggers the brain to realize, hmm, I'm safe, and turn on our rest and digest system. So 10 cycles of five, five, seven breathing. You can do it right at the dinner table. You can do that anywhere in fact and nobody even has to know that you're doing it but it's a very powerful way to turn on digestion as you get yourself out of that stress state it's also powerful because as you're do, counting the cycles and you're counting the breaths all at once you have to actually concentrate and that also has your brain let go of what other whatever else was running around in your brain and keeping you in that stressed out state so, that's the first thing you want to do. And a tip is that we chronically underestimate our level of stress. So, if you sit down before a meal and you think, Am I stressed out? And you come up with the answer of no, do the five, five, seven breathing anyway, because you might think you're not stressed out, but physiologically, you might be stressed out and digestion hasn't been turned on yet. It's also important to think about who we are being when we eat. And what I mean by that is, are we being that calm person? Are we engaging in in communication with others around the dinner table, etc.? Food is meant to be shared in community and over time, not wolf down on the run, get me to the next place, which is what so many of us do because we just get so busy. But can you sit down in community, have conversation over the meal and truly enjoy it? Because this will get you to slow down. And ideally, you want to eat your meal and take about 20 minutes to eat your meal. So next time you sit down for a meal, look at the clock and then notice the clock when you finish it. In many cases today, people are eating their meals in five to seven minutes we want to elongate that to 20 minutes in order to allow the time for our body to be able to get that digestive process going, as well as for our hormones to have a chance to react, particularly our fullness hormone, leptin, to tell us that we're getting full so that we're not overeating. And that's also really important because when we overeat, we're putting more pressure on our digestive system and using more energy to break it down. An example of that would be Thanksgiving dinner. We've all had a delicious Thanksgiving dinner. There's so much food there, it's so good. You're just gonna have a little bit more. And then there's dessert. And then you find yourself later lying around on the couch, possibly having to unzip your jeans and feeling really uncomfortable. That's the feeling of having overeaten. And that's the feeling of a bogged down digestive system that's got a lot of work to do and it's using way more than 30% of your energy. And so, guess what? That's why you're lying on the couch, not feeling like you can really do anything much at all, right? We've all been there. So, if you think of your hunger and your fullness scale on a thermometer, with zero being um, that you're hungry and 10 that you're absolutely chock-a-block-full like that Thanksgiving dinner, you actually want to stop eating when you're at about a seven on that fullness scale. That's eating for energy. That allows your digestive system to be able to break down the food using the 30% of your energy and get the good nutrients into your bloodstream and provide you the energy you need without overdoing it. And if you stop eating a seven, you might actually feel like I'm still a little bit hungry because you're not used to stopping eating at a seven. Maybe you eat until an eight or a nine normally, right? So your caloric intake might be slightly lower now, but you're gonna stop eating at a seven and you're gonna look at the clock. And before you go back for seconds, even if you think you're still hungry, I want you to wait 20 minutes. Because when you give your body that extra 20 minutes to continue digesting what you've already eaten and your hormone leptin kicks in and can signal to you that you're getting full, that all has time to happen. And you will likely find that you don't need to go back for seconds. And now you have eaten to a seven on that hunger scale and digestion can happen easily and you haven't overeaten And I know if it's really good food, it might be hard to do that because you might really want seconds. But here's the thing and the mindset shift for me that I used when I first learned this and started implementing it was that I would actually be grateful to have leftovers that I could have for lunch or dinner the following day without having to cook anything more because I didn't eat it all now. I've I've eaten what I needed now to not be overfull, and now I have leftovers. And I love celebrating have leftovers because that means I have more time to do the work that I wanna do or play and less time having to cook a meal. So that's how I always managed to wrap my brain around serving myself less, eating really mindfully, allowing my hormones to kick in and let me know that I'm feeling full and not having to, or not ending up overeating. So some tips to slowing down when we eat in order to eat mindfully. So first of all, just choose to slow down, choose to sit down and between bites, put your fork down. Breathe between bites. Getting oxygen down into your digestive system is actually really helpful at fueling the fire, so to speak. Just like oxygen will fuel a fire in a fire pit It's the same thing with your metabolism. The heat helps to be breaking down the food. And so bringing in oxygen by just taking a moment to breathe between bites helps stimulate your metabolism and it helps it break down your food better. Chew. This is something that we are also notoriously bad at. We have these very powerful jaw muscles and teeth and they are part of our digestive process, along with our salivary enzymes in our mouth. And so often, we don't use these enough, and that puts a lot of pressure on the rest of the digestive system down below. So when you choose to chew your mouthfuls more, you can get your teeth into doing the work for you, and it eases the workload of your stomach, and small intestines. Again, many people hardly chew at all, three to five times a mouthful. But if you actually test this, and it's kind of a fun thing to do with your family at the dinner table is have chewing contests. Have a mouthful and see just how many times you can chew it. I've taken bites of apple. And when I've been consciously doing this, I can chew one bite of apple over 50 times. And what I notice when I do that is that it gets so juicy. I get so much flavor out of it that I actually enjoy it more. Now I'm not going to chew every piece of apple 50 times. Cause it would take me a really long time to eat the apple. But even if I chew every piece of apple 20 times, that's a lot more than just three or five. And it, the power of chewing is so beneficial to the rest of the digestive system. In fact, I like to say that we should be chewing our liquids and drinking our solids for optimal digestion. And what I mean by that is that our solid food, we chew up so much that it's just about a liquid by the time we swallow it. And then our liquids, if you start the day with a smoothie, for instance, like I do, making that smoothie doesn't really stimulate digestion because um, there's typically not a smell to it, etc. So that first mouthful, if I start chewing it and swirling it around in my mouth, that will then stimulate digestion and have my salivary enzymes get started and let my, the rest of my digestive tract know that food is coming. And so each mouthful of My smoothie, I like to swirl around in my mouth, and sometimes it is a bit chunky because it's got some greens in it and some fruit, et cetera, and so I can chew those. So chew your liquids and drink your solids. I know it sounds crazy, but it really helps optimize digestion. When you're slowing down to eat, as I said, eating in community with people that you can enjoy conversation, breathing between bites, putting your fork down, but also really enjoy the texture of your food, the flavor, the colors, the aromas. These are things that again, in our busy, busy, busy life, we tend to just completely overlook and we just wolf it down. And yes, we might enjoy it in the moment for 30 seconds, but then it's done and gone. And afterwards, Maybe we even feel like, well, I enjoyed that, but I wish it had lasted longer. If we slow down, we can have that enjoyment last a lot longer. So these are all powerful tips that if you're someone that is struggling with digestion, whether it is you know cramping or pain after a meal or gas or bloating, or any kind of discomfort that you are putting back to your digestive process, These tips can absolutely help. They're not the only ones that can help. We do do lab testing. Sometimes the um, pain or discomfort can come from food intolerances, although we generally don't have symptoms of food intolerances for 48 to 72 hours after eating, which is why it can be really hard to determine that it was food because you don't even remember what you ate two to three days ago in most cases. And so people do have a hard time figuring out food intolerances, but it is important too, because food intolerances can cause different symptoms depending on the individual and the food, but also inflammation in the body. And that can then over time lead to other symptoms and trigger cells to turn on disease, which nobody wants, right? And many people will say to me, but it can't be the food. I've eaten this food my whole life. But the reality is, is that our body can hit a tipping point. And it's a tipping point of eating food that it hasn't liked for your whole life, as well as the impact of poor sleep, high stress, and your toxic overload coming into the body. And the body just hits the tipping point and says, I've had enough. I can't deal with all of this. And so it starts to give stronger and stronger symptoms, and then you're left wondering what's causing these, what's going on. And so that's where lab testing for food intolerances can be really helpful, because then you know. And just because you have a food intolerance doesn't mean you can't ever eat that again. It's an intolerance, it's not an allergy. But what it does mean is we can remove it depending on the degree of the intolerance for a certain amount of time, in order to allow your gut to heal. And then once your gut has healed, we can start to reintroduce and see how you do. And you might find that you can have it once a week, or maybe it's only once a month, but you're also gonna have greater awareness around feeling better and how some foods might make you feel. And then you can make choices. I want to eat this pizza because everybody else is eating pizza and tomorrow's Saturday and it doesn't matter if I roll around on the couch or I'm not going to eat this pizza because it's Thursday night and I have a really big presentation tomorrow morning and pizza always makes me feel kind of brain foggy and lethargic and I want to be sharp tomorrow morning so I'm not going to eat it. Those are the kind of choices that you're able to make when you have more awareness around the foods that your body likes and doesn't like when it comes to food intolerances. So that's tons of information there for you. And I also want to leave you with one other thing is in a stress state, when our body isn't turning on digestion, our body is not making stomach acid. And so many people today are using antacids. And they're using antacids because they think that they have too much stomach acid but the reality is that they probably have too little and the antacids are making things worse. Now how does this happen? It happens because in the stress state are the lower esophageal sphincter which is a flap at the bottom of our esophagus that is meant to close up nice and tight once food has gone through into the stomach cavity. And then it lifts up and closes up nice and tight so that nothing else can get in or out of the stomach cavity between the stomach and the esophagus. But when we are in a chronic state for a stress state, it starts to malfunction and it gets a little bit floppy. And so what happens then is the little bit of stomach acid that we do have in our stomach can escape and get up into the esophagus. And this can happen at any time, but it's actually very common to happen if we eat dinner too close to bedtime and we don't allow the two hours for digestion to take place first and we lie down soon after eating, when we go horizontal like that, the stomach acid can escape into the esophagus. But it can also happen during the day when we're still standing up and vertical. And we go to the doctor and we have heartburn and we have acid reflux and we get prescribed an antacid and the antacid stops producing stomach acid. So what does that mean? That means that each time you eat a meal, your stomach is not producing stomach acid because the antacid is stopping it from doing so. And unfortunately, antacids are the number one over-the-counter soul drug out there today. So there's a lot of people with heartburn and acid reflux that are trying to block it or help themselves with antacids and it's making things worse for their digestive system because we're stopping the production of stomach acid or hydrochloric acid and every time you eat your body is not breaking down that food properly and so it becomes a real problem because it means that the food can then start to ferment in the gut and putrefy the, the body wants to keep moving all of the food through the body in certain time frames and it's balancing pH levels and it knows what it's doing. The body is always right. Unfortunately, we don't understand how the body works and we're making it really hard on our body to do what it's trying to do. And we end up with food that is putrefying inside our digestive system. And then that can cause further digestive issues down the line. And as I mentioned earlier, diarrhea and constipation and other conditions as well which I will talk about in another episode coming up so something that you can do at home in order to do it, to test your level of stomach acid if you're wondering it's really easy to do this you want to do it on an empty stomach so 2 hours after eating or first thing in the morning take a glass of water and stir in 1 teaspoon of baking soda and drink it all And then think hard about your next meal, like close your eyes, envision that meal. What's it going to be? Notice the smell of that food, inhale it. And you can also do this by actually cooking. If you're making something, then again, smell the fragrances of the food because that does trigger the brain and to start the cephalic response, letting your body know food is coming. So then your body will start producing stomach acid your salivary enzymes will start to be produced and wait 10 to 15 minutes after this response has happened. When you feel that saliva flow, if there is acid present in your stomach, then you will actually start burping because the baking soda is going to react with the hydrochloric acid and produce carbon dioxide, which will make you burp that means you have good stomach acid levels but if you do this little at home test and you're not burping then it's an indication that you have low stomach acid and if you have low stomach acid then you definitely want to be taking steps that i've mentioned earlier from making sure you're getting out of the chronic stress state before sitting down to a meal using your 557 breathing As well as ensuring you're breathing between bites to stoke the fire, putting your fork down, chewing a lot. Uh, So, all of these tips will help. And something else that you might need to be doing is using digestive enzymes in order to help your body break down the food. Because ultimately, the reason we eat is to fuel our body and provide energy. So, if we're putting food in and it's not getting broken down well, then the purpose of you eating is not even being fulfilled. So we need to eat, but what's really critical is the absorption of the food that we're eating. So if you need to be using stomach acids while working with an integrative health practitioner to help um, rebuild your digestive system and get it functioning well again, then that is one thing that you can potentially consider doing. So I hope this topic on digestion and optimizing your digestive system has been helpful to you. Maybe there's been one or two ah ahas that you've had during this session. It's interesting when I sat down to write my content for digestion, at first I was thinking, what am I going to say about digestion? I don't think I have a lot to say. And then I started writing it all down and I realized there is a lot that I can speak about in regards to digestion. So I hope this has been helpful. Thank you for joining me. And I welcome you back next week when I introduce my guest, Kathy White, a yoga instructor, as we dig into a conversation around how yoga can also help enhance our digestive processes. So thanks for joining me. Have a wonderful week. and Thanks for being a listener of the Don't Wait for Your Wake Up Call podcast. I hope that the content I bring to you in my podcast is inspiring you to take action in your health. And to come to the realization that you and only you are responsible for your health. And that your health is your greatest asset. Health isn't everything, but without it, everything else is nothing. I also hope you're starting to realize how much is not taught to us through our education system and through mainstream health. And if you would like to learn more about your health, I welcome you to look into my upcoming health optimizer program it's a four-week program and i dive into key aspects of optimizing your health knowledge that you will then have for life that you can share with your loved ones and that will change your health outcomes so check out the link to the health optimizer course in the show notes and i look forward to seeing you in the program